1: Most BCBAs are not taught how to supervise others, but are just thrown into that role. And as soon as we get that certificate as a BCBA, we're expected to supervise ABA programs and staff members and parents. So what steps should we take when we're supervising ABA programs? So I
0: was 26 years old when I started supervising ABA programs, and I couldn't believe, first of all, that people let me supervise BCPA programs at 26 years old. You know, I had experience, but, you know, I really did have imposter syndrome. You know, many times I was talking to parents who were 10 years older than me and I was telling them things that, you know parenting things. And I wasn't a parent. I was 26. I was barely more than a kid myself. Um, And uh, I really did feel like, oh, my gosh, am I doing it right? And, uh, you know, I was one of the first VCBAs in Ontario, let alone Canada. And I had, you know, a few people as mentors, but they weren't BCBAs at the time because it was so new. Um, So it was really hard to look to somebody else to say, hey, can you help me? So it was really establishing my own path and saying, oh, I think I'm doing this right. Um, So, you know, what do we do as BCBAs, whether we're newly minted or, you know, been in the field for a while?
1: How do we supervise ABA programs? So, What is supervision? What does that mean? So any kid who's getting, you know, ABA programs means that they need a certain amount of supervision from a BCBA. So the person who's implementing the programs might be an RBT or a paraprofessional. And so BCBA needs to come in and update the programs, do some training, uh, just kind of analyze that data and assess any one of those things that a BCBA would be qualified to do. So that means that you have likely scheduled supervision visits with any client, the clients that you're supervising. So what do do those visits look like so those visits can be in the home. They can be at
0: school or they can be in a clinic. Um, maybe they're in the natural environment. Maybe I've supervised people at the grocery store before because you know they've been learning to pick items off of a list and pay the cashier. So it can be flexible in terms of the environment. But the very first thing you really need to be do it need to be doing is being prepared. You know, get organized and prepare your documents ahead of time. Make sure that you're not fumbling with things when you walk in that door. Um, so really just making sure that. You know, you've got whether it's paper and pencil, if you're out in the community, you don't need your laptop there, or, you know, maybe it's an iPad, maybe it's a phone, maybe it's something but anything that you're going to be using to document your session, make sure you've got that. And also make sure that you've got clients data.
1: Especially if it's something like behavior data, for example, sometimes I'll ask for that in advance because I know that when I come there, they want the solution and they want that, you know, magic wand. And so sometimes asking for that data in advance, means that you can prepare some solutions or some potential solutions to propose during your supervision. So depending on the environment, you're either talking to the parent or the
0: ABA therapist or the teacher or everybody all at once. So making sure that, you know, all parties who you're consulting to, making sure that you ask them if they've got any questions, any concerns, you know, if there's any goals that they would like to be seen implemented in the program as well.
1: And if you took good notes last time on how the meeting went, then... The next thing you would do is follow up from the last time, from the previous supervision. If there was anything that needed to be followed up on, anything you want to check in on, any suggestions that you made that you want to you know, see how it's going, was progress made. Um, so definitely start with follow-ups from last time.
0: If I'm watching an ABA therapist, I typically say, it's okay, relax. I'm not here to judge you. I'm not here to grade you. Um, I'm not watching you. I'm watching the program. I'm probably watching the ABA therapist as well. Um, but really, I'm there to update the program. And that's what I try and tell therapists. So, you know, just as you know, us as ABA therapists, we pair with the kids we're working with, we really want to make sure that we're pairing with, you know, parents, teachers, therapists, etc. Um, if it is, like I said, the ABA therapist, making them feel comfortable and saying, you know, look, at, I'm just here to watch the programs and see if they're going okay. So please show off your child, right? Show off the really great things that, you know, this person is doing. Um, show off some really, you know, great things that, you know, you I, I didn't see last time. Um, also show me, are there any things that you want to problem solve? Like show me some programs that aren't going so well so that I can look at that.
1: And something that I think makes the therapist feel more comfortable is when you're building that relationship, offer to jump in, like, don't be afraid to get in there and demonstrate some of the programs, even just interact with the client and play with them. Um, don't just be the person who's like standing at the side, watching with a computer. You know, you want to be the person that's involved in that experience. And I think that really does help to put everyone at ease and to feel like, you know, we're all on the same team here. Um, the next thing you're going to want to do is look at the data. Look at the data on their programs, on their skill acquisition programs, on their targets, on their behavior data. Um, Try to look at those graphs. And what you're doing there is kind of a little bit of detective work. Like what is working? What's not working? Why might it not be working? I remember once going into a client and like the data just kept stalling and the data were moving nowhere. And, you know, it was a couple of visits of this and we were, you know, kind of like getting worried. Like, why isn't this child progressing maybe he's not learning these skills and then what we did is we looked at the frequency of how often the programs were being run not just the child's data but we have a checkoff list of how often programs are being run with the goal being that they're run every session but sometimes not all programs are run every session and so what we did was we figured out that the reason this child wasn't making progress is because for some reason the programs weren't being run often enough and so that was a really great solution to be able to look at not just the data on the programs. But, you know, the big picture as to why might these things be happening. So you're doing a lot of like problem solving and detective work as to like what is working and what's not working. And as I'm looking
0: at these data, I'm also saying, OK, here's a program that may not be, you know, working properly. We need to problem solve this. Show me the program. I don't want to just see the data. I want to see how the programs implemented, because oftentimes I can pick up subtle differences when I see the program being run. Maybe it's, you know, being run with um, you know, no motivation, so the student hates it, or maybe the visuals aren't there, or, you know, maybe it's being run, you know, right before, you know, the child wants to go outside and the motivation's really high, and that's why the program's, you know, being mastered really quickly. All of these little subtle things um, can help. So not just looking at the data, imagine not just looking at the data, but also trying to pick up on these subtle things when you're observing the actual programs.
1: And I think that's really kind of the hard part about what we do is, Um, we're supposed to look at the data and we're supposed to make these like very evidence-based decisions. But like, sometimes we were really looking at the big picture and like, are they not sleeping well? Or like when we're looking at the child and the working environment that they're in, is it not conducive? Is it too distracting? Um, You know, are things being offered, are the reinforcers being offered too frequently? Are they not motivated? Like there's all these other pieces that come into play, which is why we like to be in person and really seeing it. Um, This whole virtual, you know, supervision really knocked everything off course. Uh, But being there, I'm really picking up on all of those cues of what's going on during an ABA session.
0: I also came from a background, I was an ABA therapist before I was a BCBA and before I was any type of ABA consultant. And one of my very favorite things about this field is actually still working with a client. I love it. So any chance I get, I'm like, get out of the chair. It's my turn. Um, It could be natural environment teaching. Get out of the way. I want to try and teach. And I'm interacting with these students um, really because I think it's fun. Um, But my secondary goal is because I want to see if I can get some of these subtle things happening. And sometimes... If I do, sometimes me doing is easier than me watching and seeing that. So if I can do, I can pick up on that error pattern or I can pick up on, oh, okay, we're not saying this properly. Or when I say this, he thinks we mean this. Let's try this instead.
1: Yeah. And if it doesn't work for us, then we can't expect it to work for the RBT or the IT. (laughs) So
0: personal story on that. um, I was in watching an ABA program one time and this therapist was phenomenal. She had like three clickers down one side, three clickers down the other. They were all color-coded and she's going and that was amazing. And she did it. It was awesome. And then I went to jump in to do something and she gave me her clicker belt. And I went, yeah. you know, I can handle one, maybe two clickers. I can pretty much handle two. I've got two hands. I can do that. Um, No more than that. So it, whenever I go in to, um, you know, model an ABA program, but also then to suggest things for therapists to do, I need to make sure that I can do them first. And if I can't do them as a seasoned ABA therapist, I'm not going to expect any other staff to be able to do them.
1: Um, so make sure that when you're there, you're also giving lots of positive feedback. So you're one building that positive relationship with the client, but also with the staff. So giving them lots of positive feedback, because sometimes it's easy to come in and be like, Hey, eh, you're doing all these things wrong. Don't run it that way. There's no token system. Um, but we do have to remind ourselves that starting with something positive, you know, you have a great relationship with the client or, you know, I like how you're sitting so straight in your chair. I don't know. Think of something that you can comment on to be able to give that positive feedback first.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, And, you know, we've all been taught the BST model, but what does that actually mean? You know, the BST model really is, you know, making sure that you're providing a rationale for the program. So the reason this program is in place is because blah, 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 you know, providing instructions around the actual program. Here's how to do the program. Here's what these teaching steps mean. Here's what the next three steps look like. Um, And then on that Train of thought. Then you would go and you would model. So again, let me show you here. I'll show you how it works here. Try and do this. Look at what I'm doing, etc. And you know, I used to leave when I was 26. That's the way I used to leave it. Okay, so here's you know how the program was run. Okay, do it like this. Okay, goodbye. I'm out. Um, but we know that that doesn't work. So the next couple steps of the behavioral uh, skills training is are really important. The next one is rehearsal and making sure that um, you know you're not only just modeling it, but then having Having the therapist jump in and do do it right so okay great now you try it you do it this way and then giving feedback to the therapist oh yes awesome that's exactly how you do it but just change this little piece here okay that do this instead okay try that perfect so you know it bst is in the instructions the modeling the rehearsal and the feedback
1: So then you're going to make sure that everyone's aware of any of the changes or any of the suggestions that you're making, um, any new things that you're putting in place or any changes that need to be made. And so making sure that you're reviewing that with the staff, with the RBT and also with the parents and the caregivers and any other stakeholder who's invested in that. Um, Something that I like to do is to. Follow up with with a summary email. I think that that's a really good way of putting everything in writing and making sure that everybody CC'd who needs to be on that email and everybody's really hearing the same message because you can have multiple conversations with different people and kind of summarizing it all into one message um, and letting everybody involved know, like, this is what we discussed. This is what my plan is or suggestion going forward. This is what the, you know, how well they're progressing um, and then making some plans for the future. Absolutely. And, you know, all of these notes
0: and any type of graphs you're updating, etc, need to be done in a fairly timely manner. Um, You know, I've had supervision sessions where, you know, as a therapist, you know, somebody comes in and, you know, gives suggestions and says, okay, we'll change this program. And then two or three weeks later, we get the new program, you know, it, it it doesn't really match. So, you know, what I try and do is leave myself some time at the end of the session. Even if I'm going into someone's home, what I'll do is, you know, leave the home because I find that if I'm in the home with my computer, A, I'm not interacting with the student, but B, people want to talk to me. So I typically would take my computer, get in my car, drive around the corner, park and type my notes out really quickly. Um, it's also my notes are then in my head and I can get them on paper really quickly versus three weeks later when I've seen other clients and then I forget. Um, so really getting those notes out in a timely fashion is huge as well.
1: Yeah. I think one of the good habits I got into by going into people's homes was that everything had to kind of be completed in that timeframe. So I would go to their house and I would do the observation and the supervision, and then be able to really summarize and include everything in that that one little package. So I'd make sure that that child's, um, you know, work, so to say, was completed. So they got all their graphs and all their future data sheets and all their communication and and all those loose ends were tied up because I didn't want to be going then to other people's homes and having to remember that I forgot to do something for that child I saw, you know, two weeks ago. So it was a good habit to get into that I kind of learned to tie up all the loose ends before the end of that session. And then, you know, I was able to focus fully on each client while I was there, not worried about, you know, the, the email I forgot to send or the communication I didn't do. And that's such a good point, Shira. And even running a clinic,
0: I still schedule things like that. So I still say, you know, okay, here's the time for, you know, parent communication or emails, but then here's the time for this individual student. Here's the time for this individual student. And even though they're in a center and even though their desks may be close to each other, I really do schedule in like student A time and then student B time. And it's really the only way that I found anyways, that I could provide effective supervision.
1: Yeah, it's very easy to get distracted. So making sure that you're really keeping up with the quality of supervision that's necessary.
0: So in summary, we really did discuss, um, you know, how you would supervise an ABA session. And that would be, you know, going in and talking to all parties involved, you know, talking to parents, caregivers, uh, teachers, therapists, et cetera, um, you know, pairing yourself a little bit and um, really looking at the data, supervising, observing the programs, you know, giving some feedback, updating things, and then getting notes out in a timely fashion.